Hi, I'm Monty Sharp, and I'd like to welcome you to the Gatekeepers Initiative. What in the world is a gatekeeper, you may ask? I'm so glad you asked. The world's gatekeepers proclaim that they're protecting their community, but in reality, they're elevating themselves by denying others entrance to the community by belittling and devaluing them. God's gatekeepers protect their communities through loving devotion to those around them. They're there to encourage that which is good and reject that which brings harm. So let's take a deeper dive today in how God is calling you to be a gatekeeper. My co-host today is Michelle Cormack. And uh, you'll hear me refer to her as Sis because that's what I usually call her. We had the privilege of, of hearing from her. She is uh, campus director of Temecula High School and working with students on a regular basis has for 20-some years, in addition to taking on the task as Student Mentor Ministries administrator and HR person. So she is a woman of many hats and uh, great wisdom, and she hears from Jesus. So you're going to be blessed to hear from her today. Today's topic is propaganda. Uh, and, you know, propaganda can be good or it can be bad. Uh, mostly in today's culture, we see it having a bad effect. Uh, and so we're going to take a deep dive in that and see how propaganda can shape and mold our thoughts, our culture, in a positive way or in a negative way. The truth of the matter is, is that propaganda originated at, in a group of cardinals in the Catholic Church. When, and their call was to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, they were out there to be able to share the good news about how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But then propaganda got uh, absorbed into uh, Nazi Germany during World War II, and they utilized propaganda in a very negative way to be able to influence people's emotions and thoughts and motivate them to be able to make wrong choices and wrong decisions. And we know how all that ended up. So I'd like to start today with a reminder of what God's Word tells us, and that's 1 John 3, 7 that says, Let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. And if we're going to talk about propaganda, I guess it's probably a good way to start would be to define it, which propaganda is defined as deliberately spreading ideas and opinions to influence the minds of others. Deliberately spreading ideas and opinions to influence the minds of others. And to propagate is to reproduce followers through the spreading of propaganda. So, Sis, tell us a little bit about where we're going today. Well, we're going to start off with the current methodology of propaganda. We're going to take a look at how it works, how it's constructed, at what the good versus the destructive propaganda might look like. That way we won't be so easily caught up in it, but instead be intentional with our response, rejecting it when it goes against the truth of God and using it when it propagates the gospel. Huh, that's awesome. Incidentally, for those of you who may be wondering, what is the gospel? I assume everybody knows that. But the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 tells us, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples, that means followers, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. That's the call of, of Christ on our lives if we, if we name Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 
And that's a really good thing that we need to be propagating. But for the most part, we're going to be in and out of good and bad today. We're going to be talking about good propaganda and bad propaganda. In fact, it's something that, that for the most part, not all of these points, for the most part, we could be using uh, wisely to win the battle. On the other end of that, the enemy's using it effectively to keep us in defeat. And so that's why we want you to know what it's all about, because knowing is half the battle. So what does prop- uh, propaganda look like? I think if you're going to have that current methodology, as Michelle was talking about, I think it starts with defining your intent, your purpose, and your vision. Defining your intent, your purpose, and vision. This needs to be done clearly and concisely. Proverbs 29:18 says, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Another version says they perish. When you have a clear vision, when you have a a clear understanding of what your purpose and your intent is, and you can clearly articulate that, it's amazing the number of people that will want to follow you. The second thing we're going to do is create the organism, a growing organization of people, goals, objectives, timelines, materials, assigned jobs, evaluations, new goals, etc. We will keep it moving and keep it growing because living things must change. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 tells us two are better than one because they have a better return for their labor. If either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion, but woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. That means just you and another person and Jesus, and you have those three strands, so you know you are strong right from the beginning. We recently finished a week-long conference for Student Venture, and the crew who sought God for his plan and then implemented so many details of that plan, they worked together. They were a team who together took on the challenges and accomplished much. That sounds like a lot of work. Oh, yes. A lot of work. I guess that's probably why the enemy's doing it, yeah. because he knows and he's willing to pay the costs. But why we as Christians, ooh, so frequently are so distracted and busy with our own stuff. Uh, I guess that's a rebuke for all of us, a reminder that we need to be investing also. Third thing that's, that's involved in, in uh, establishing propaganda is we need to refine our arguments. You know, if we can't clearly articulate what we believe, what we're trying to communicate, then how is anybody else supposed to be able to grab hold of that? So we need to sit down and and think through and consider what will appeal to man's mind. What will grab their attention? What will grab their hearts? What will motivate them? What will stir them? Now, traditionally, uh, until recent, probably the last five or six decades prior to that, um, people utilized inductive and deductive reasoning and logic. They focused on the truth of an argument and used the truth to be able to win that argument. They're not doing that today, but we'll get to that in a minute. We'll talk about what inductive truth is and what deductive truth is maybe at the end of the, uh, the podcast if we have enough time. But let's just simply say that utilizing the facts, utilizing the truth, to be able to make a logical argument is a great way to win any heart and mind, especially when that's done with love. Second Timothy 2, 23 and 24 says, 
don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments. There's a lot of them going on out there today. First uh, Peter 3.15 says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks about what is the hope within you. And I love this one in 2 Timothy 4.2. Be ready to spread the word, whether or not the time is right. Point out errors and warn people and encourage them. Point out errors and warn people and encourage them. The reason that that's, we're being overwhelmed by negative propaganda is because we are not taking that to heart today. You know, the next thing and that we're going to look at is an emotional appeal is an important part of the structure of propaganda. Looking for ways to arouse emotions, appeal to fears, desires, wants, and dreams. We see it all around us constantly, and we don't respond to it cognitively, really looking at what is happening there and the manipulation that can be behind it. And so we just respond. Mass rallies are an example of that. They're effective in groupthink, that mob mentality. Social media works great as a type of mass rally. It empowers people to think everyone believes the way that they do. It can cause people to say things they would never say to your face. It can cause people to do things they never thought they would. The destructive riots we see in our world are a great example of the emotional arousal and empowerment of groupthink. This arousal of emotions can bridge the gap between belief and conviction and conviction and action. Why? Because Proverbs 23, 7 tells us, as a man thinks within himself, so is he. Hmm. Well, we see a lot of that going on today. We do. You know, every time you turn on the TV, it seems like something's going on in that direction. Speaking of turning on the TV, the next point that if we're going to be effective in, in our, as propagandists, we need to be able to grab hold of the media. We need to make sure that, that our message is being propagated through them because they have the ability to be able to reach everybody. So media gains, and we gain the, the media's attention by utilizing all forms and all channels of communication. We, we use TV. We use the newspapers, although there's not many of them out there today. We use social media. Now that's happening all the time. And radio and even word of mouth. We look for every opportunity to advantageously attract attention through repetition and current related news stories. You know, if you sit down and you, um, you decide, okay, I've got this movement in mind and I want to be able to make it work and, I, and I'm really effective. I've got a lot of friends in, the, in different medias and I contact them and say, this is really important. We need to be able to share this with everybody, whether it's true or it's false. And we convince them. And so they're on board and they make a big splash one time, maybe even two times. And then what happens? It just kind of fades away because all the other news, whatever's hot, whatever's uh, a little bit sexy, so to speak, you know, whatever grabs people's attention, we're going to go after that. So how do I keep their attention? How do I keep them repeating my message over and over and over again? Well, I look for every single story that might even be slightly related to my message. As an example, gun control. There's some people out there that are really pushing hard for gun control today. And every time there's a shooting, it doesn't make any difference where the, that shooting is related to uh, the, the methodology that you want, the, the law or the way that you want to be able to change this. As long as it just simply says gun, bad, then we utilize that. 
we go back and visit the media again and say, there it is. Talk about this again. You know, we need gun control. We see that going on all around us right now. And so the same way, it, it, not only that, but, but say, I don't know about you, but I am a channel surfer. If I'm not recording what I watch, which is what I usually try to do because I cut all the, all the commercials and there's, there's something that's really stupid, somebody's saying in the news even, I just kind of fast forward through it. But when I channel surf, if I do that, it's usually more times than not during the news era, news time of the day. And what blows my mind is almost always I find the same exact phraseology being used by every single newscaster. It was almost like they were in the same room and decided what to say. Yeah, they were. There was somebody that was being a great propagandist. They had gotten a hold of most of the media, and they have convinced them to use this talking point, use this phrase, use this expression. And they're all saying the same thing. Now, that is a very evident demonstration of what propaganda is all about, and that it's working really well. But at the same token, we need to be aware of that. I mean, it's so obvious, it's crazy, but we've been so conditioned to its normalcy that we just kind of go, yeah, what we should go is, what? What? Somebody is trying to mess with my mind, you know, and, and I don't, I want to be aware of that. So it's, it's important to realize that that's going on all around us. And that's a good technique if we as Christians are going to use uh, at least some kind of a good form of propaganda to be able to propagate the world with the good news about Jesus. Absolutely. That getting that message out. And then that message itself, those words are extremely important to propaganda. We often see changing the definitions of words and ideas to accommodate an agenda. He who controls the definitions controls the arguments. He who controls the definitions controls the arguments and then controls the culture. Romans 1.25 says they change the truth of God into a lie. We see the term pro-choice. It's not pro-abortion. Why? Because it sounds virtuous. Who is against choice? Who is against choice? Um, would anybody argue against that? The most recent redefining is what is a woman? And our latest confirmed Supreme Court justice, she was not willing to answer that question. A woman herself, and she could not answer that question. Men have been redefined as toxic. Wait, wait, wait. That's not fair. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, causing them to be in a position to prove that they're toxic when they push back against the lie. Is that not true? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well-crafted narratives are critical to propaganda. Noah Webster in 1928 published America's first dictionary because he knew it was important for us all to understand a common language with common definitions of words. If you can find one of these older dictionaries, you'll see that he used the Word of God often in bringing clarity to what words mean. Today's dictionaries have mutated those definitions to fit the narratives of generations, and it's just not so clear anymore. Yeah, and it's not so good anymore. No. It's crazy. We've got actually the opposite of what they used to be, definitions of words. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Okay, so not only do we need to change the definition of words, here's the, the bottom line on it. If I can't convert you to my side, to my beliefs, if I can't convert you to 
my movement, then I divert you. It's either convert you or divert you. And what I mean by that is if I can't win them as followers, I divert their energies and their ability to attack us by using ad hominem. Now, I think most of us know that ad hominem is just simply a personal attack. It's name-calling. It's also a logical fallacy. In other words, it's not a source of truth in any form or fashion. But it prevents them, prevents others from, de- from dealing with the real issues, you know, and, and attacking my, my beliefs or my movement with truth. You know, they can no longer counterattack what I'm saying because they're too busy trying to defend themselves. We, we call each other all these crazy things. We experience that constantly today. Terms like bigot or narrow-minded or judgmental or racist or toxic male. There you are again or a flaming liberal, or a homophobic. All these things are meant to diminish the validity of the people that are coming against what we believe. Thus, they eliminate the counter-argument to their propaganda. You know, it's so wrong. It's a logical fallacy. But it's probably one of the most powerful tools that one could implement to achieve their goal at the cost of others' reputations, at the cost of truth, at the cost of everything that we should hold as valuable. We see in in, uh, Titus 3.2, it says, Malign no one, be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration from all men. And that, my brothers and sisters, is definitely not going on around us today. And we need to do something about that. So let's take a look at how we discern between good and bad propaganda and how to be intentional with our responses to it. Okay, I guess I get to start that. Yeah, what do you have? (laughs) Always start by defining the fallacies and the truth of their arguments. Start with the truth. I read a good book. I think it's called the Bible. And in that, in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, if you'll abide in my word, that means to live and dwell in it, you're truly my, my followers, my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And it goes on in verse 36 and says, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Free to be able to understand and to know the truth from the lie, to discern that. And free also then to be bold and courageous in being able to speak the truth in, uh, in public discourse and private discourse, which is so needed today. The truth always sets us free. If we focus on the emotive appeal instead of truth uh, and what, what is the real truth, we're often not even aware of the truth. And that's what's happening today. People are using the emotive appeal so strongly, so powerfully, that people aren't even interested in what the truth is. Well, that may be your truth, but it's not my truth. We get into this subjective truth versus real uh, immutable truth from God's word. In letting our emotions, feelings, and fear guide us, we can easily be led astray. It's happening everywhere. So where do we find absolute truth, immutable truth? In the Word of God. It is there that we discover truth defined, that we discover right principles to live by, and truth that sets us free from the lie. It's why most worldly propagandists today skip the factual arguments completely and focus on the emotive appeal instead, because they don't have to be bothered with truth or logic. The Lord reminds us the importance of right thinking and logic, especially throughout his word. As we just got through talking about in John 8, 31 and 32, we need to abide in God's word and we'll know that truth. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
And how does our, our mind get renewed? By focusing on the truth. Proverbs 23, 7, as Michelle mentioned earlier, as a man thinks within himself, so is he. When my mind's set on the truth, focused on the truth, when I'm in the Word of God all the time, it's developing a filter that captures all the lies and the untruth and a lens that helps us to see what is true and what isn't true. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given us the spirit of timidity, but one of power and love and a sound mind. And finally, I'll end on this point with this, and that is Proverbs 16, 20. He who gives attention to the word finds good. And we need good back again in our culture, in our society today. Do I hear an amen on that one? Amen. Absolutely. And the next thing, I think we need to always be fruit inspectors. We need to look, do people's lives and character line up with their words? Matthew 7, 15 through 17 says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. So if we are not careful to look and not just listen to people's words, but look and see and open our eyes, do you see good and healthy relationships around people? That's an important thing to see. Matthew 22, 37-40, where Jesus tells us in the greatest, when he is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he goes on to say, the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he goes on to say, on this as all the law and the prophets are hinged on these two commandments love god first and then out of that love one another that is what life is about and so we need to see good healthy relationships going on within a propagandic movement to know that it is good we need to see that their words are lining up with their actions Jesus also tells us in John 13, 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It says, By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It's critically important as Christians that we see that this is a part of a movement, loving God and out of that loving one another. You know, we hear a lot of politicians and pundits out there telling people, and effectively, I'm going to bring us back together. Yes. I'm going to bring the left and the right and the and in-betweens and, you know, the ups and the downs. Or yes. I'm going to bring us all together. And people are so hungry for that today in our culture. By golly, it's so hard to find a politician that's true to their words anymore in that. Yeah. People will hold on just to the hope of the words, but then it is not followed with actions. Exactly. So that's a good way to be able to judge people. You know, to see, in fact, if they are truth, mm -hmm. uh, if, if they, they do follow up, they live what they say. It'd be nice to see. I think probably another way to be able to discern between good and bad propaganda is just simply to ask Jesus. You know, seriously, uh, James 4, 2 says, we have not because we ask not. Uh, Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. If Jesus is the one that is commanding us to abide in the truth so that we can know the lie, then can we not ask him to be able to do that? 1 John 5, 14 and 15 tells us this is the confidence we have. Anything we ask in God's will, we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, we have the thing we've asked for. Is it God's will that we know what is a lie and what is true? Yeah. 
He commands us that we should be knowing that. So let's make that a daily prayer. If all of us out there that claim the name of Jesus would daily be praying, Lord Jesus, give me the gift of discernment, discerning what is of you and what is of the world, what is of the devil. Give me discernment, not only for my own benefit, but Lord, so that I can know how and what is true and be able to be used as your instrument to speak that truth to a world around us. Hitler said, if you tell a lie loud enough and long enough, it becomes a truth. Hmm. That's happening today. Redefining it. But God's called us to speak the truth. So we need to speak the truth louder and longer than the enemy is speaking the lie. And that's not easy, folks. But the best way for that to happen is to start with Jesus. It's not about us. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So let's start asking daily, making it a daily prayer throughout the, the day. Lord Jesus, help me to know the truth and speak the truth on a regular basis. And help me to start. Yeah, amen. Another thing that we can do is seek the counsel of other godly men and women. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no guidance, people fall, but in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. And Proverbs 13.10, Through overconfidence, nothing comes but strife. <laughs> but wisdom is with those who receive counsel. So mm-hmm. seek out the counsel of other godly men and women. Who is that? That is people that will go to Jesus first. That's people that are going to go to, to God's word first. And they're going to listen to him. And then they will share with you what they see there. Who are those people? That might be your pastor or your youth pastor or worker. It might be a parent or a friend. But make sure you are seeking out people that believe that where their source of wisdom is from God. We really need that. Yeah. We really do. Yeah, there's all kinds of apps now on your phone. I I am being drugged into modern century by Michelle. She's always constantly working to be able to, to bring me up to date on things. And fortunately, it, I've got somebody that'll do that. But I'm, I'm blown away by the number of ways that you can find out whether something's true or false. But the problem with algorithms and things that you get into on Facebook or whatever social media you're on is that they're designed to be able to speak your opinion back to you through the sources out there that are speaking them. They're not designed to give you a balanced opinion, to give you the other side. And so we're in an echo chamber most of the time. And so if we don't have counselors and people around us that will speak the truth to us, that will tell us the hard things, the truth, uh, without candy coating it, then we're going to be lost out there frequently. So not only do we need people like that in our life, but we need to be that person in other people's lives. Yes. And so many times I have been around where somebody said, wow, did you see what this said, you know, and what, what they're publishing out there? And I go, the Lord just touches me by his spirit, and there's something that just doesn't seem right. And I always challenge people, is there another source that you could check to see if that is true or not? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't sound right. And, and every time that, that I felt that way, there was something askewed there. Somebody had taken something out of context. Or misrepresented it. So another way to be able to grab hold of the truth is also being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Yes. When he nudges you, don't ignore it. You know, when in doubt, don't. When in doubt, don't. Okay, that takes us to the, to the next thought. And that is, this to me is so 
critical. It would change so many things that, that get us into trouble if we would take everything that we're hearing to their logical conclusion. You know, most things sound really great at first, but they may end up in disaster, especially a young man. <laughs> you know, I remember, well, you know, we don't have our frontal, frontal lobes not fully developed. You know, our executive decision making is not fully developed until we're 25. And so often we make decisions and just go, wow, that sounds like fun. You know, let's set fire to the gym. It'll be a hoot as we watch it burn to the ground. And we are thrown in jail for, for doing that as an arsons. I mean, we just make these dumb decisions. It's okay to jump off that building. This would be cool. As we walk away barely on a broken leg, you know, we make really stupid decisions because we don't think them through to what their logical conclusion would be. And if we would do more of that, it would change everything. Remember, it may feel good and right at the moment, but what will it ultimately cost me? Cost me in my lost reputation, in my future, cost me in my relationships with Jesus and others, maybe cost me in my job. There's so many people out there sexting today or are making stupid comments, even in jest. Let me remind you that everything that goes out through an electronic device is floating in cyberspace out there and can be captured by somebody someday and be used against you. We don't think it is. We, we are not concerned about it. But we really need to be careful about it. So let's take care on what we're saying out there. Think through the, the logical conclusion of that. Because the way it can affect us in many ways is horrible. So just remember these words, this question, always when we think something's a good idea. To ask yourself, at what cost? At what cost? What's going to be the cost of me doing whatever I'm doing? Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We need to remember that. Proverbs 18, 17 says, The one who states his case first seems right until another comes along and examines him. So, yep. Those ideas seem great at first, but let's examine them and really take a look and see what the cost will be. And if it's costing us the wrong things that God never intended to, then let's shut them down early and not get involved with them. Go ahead and amen on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. So we have some tools here to help us discern good from bad propaganda. And now we need to take a look at what do we do with that once we to determine something is good or something is bad. Good is easy. We get on board with it. What do we do with the bad propaganda? Hmm, that's a really good question. What do we do with the bad propaganda? Well, we need to start off by determining who's trying to propagate us. Mm-hmm. Who's, who is propagandizing us today? I mean, we've got the media, the social media, pundits, politicians, even our halls of higher education, Hollywood. Family? You mean our family's doing that? Yeah, that happens too. And our friends? You know, even the church is, is in some way spreading propaganda, if it's doing its job in a good way. And we need to evaluate, is that of Jesus or is that not? I love the Brians when they heard Paul preaching. They said, we have to go back and search the scriptures. We think what you said is true, but we need to go back and examine what God's truth says and hold your statements up to the light of God's word. And that's the heart that we need to have. We need to have those same brilliant attitudes. You know, the whole purpose of gatekeepers, you know, standing at that gate, we need to be stopping that which is a lie, that which is bad propaganda from entering 
the, the portals of our eyes and, and our ears and even our hearts. We can't be musing over those things. And we especially are called to be able to protect our family and our friends. The gates, whether it be our vocation or, or our community or whatever it is, we are called to defend against that bad propaganda by exposing it to the light and the truth of what God says. So, 1 Thessalonians 5.2 says, Examine everything. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Not only should we be abstaining from it, but we need to be exposing it to the light of God's word, the truth of God's word, and, and helping others to abstain from it also. Absolutely. And you know, God's word tells us that the truth sets us free. It gives us peace and stability. And that's a great starting point. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And Psalm 119, verse 165 says, Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. So again, if the truth sets us free and gives us peace and stability, what are we doing to find the truth and share the truth boldly and lovingly with others. Isaiah 59, 14 says, Righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the streets. So because we allow truth to stumble in the streets and we just leave it there, lying there, righteousness stands back. We have an obligation and something we can do here. 1 Timothy 3.15 tells us how to conduct ourselves while we're waiting for Jesus to return, that we are to be the pillar and support of truth is what it says. That which with great strength holds up truth, a pillar, an unmovable, strong support of truth. And Ephesians 4.15 tells us how we are to deliver that. We are to speak the truth in love. Standing up for truth but also having love are both critically important. What if we speak the truth, but we have no love? 1 Corinthians 13, 1, 2 tells us we become a noisy gong clanging symbol. If I know all mysteries, it says, and I have all knowledge, but I do not have love, I am nothing. So will we accomplish what we hope to accomplish, standing up for truth, if we do not also have love? Absolutely not. Not to the degree it could be done when we're operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and we're filled with his love for people. Well, I hope we heard that. That was pretty profound. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Next thought that we need to have is, can a relatively good person, that's in quotes, good person, relatively good person use propaganda in a bad way and still be someone we should listen to and follow? Well, I'm going to let Jesus speak to you on this one. First Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22 says, examine everything carefully. Hold to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Acts 17.11 says, What with great eagerness examining the scriptures to see if these things are so. That needs to be our heart and attitude. Mm -hmm. Proverbs 4.14 4, and 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Don't pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. God's word is so clear about that. And then 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived with evil communications and that corrupt good morals. And I guess I'd to summarize it as this, um, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. Yes. Guard your heart. We have relationships around us all the time that want to lead us astray. And it could be somebody as close as a mother or a father or a spouse or 
you know, a close brother or somebody, our best friend. We just need to be careful when we're aware that they are trying to propagandize us with something that is contrary to the truth of God's word. And not just argue against it, but just just as you got through sharing with us, that we need to be lovingly speaking the truth to people. And if we can speak the truth lovingly louder and longer than they're speaking the lie, then we can win that brother. We can set them free to be in the sweet spot with Jesus, to be able to, to know the truth and let the truth set them free also. So we don't give up on them. We don't necessarily walk away from them unless there may come a point where they're too much driven by that is wrong and evil or a lie. And then we need to be really super attentive and aware to make sure that that doesn't touch our hearts and our minds. Because as a man thinks within himself, so is he. The things we're hearing, the things that are coming into our gates are the things that are going to shape and mold us also. So make sure you're being washed with the water of the word even before you meet with that person and especially afterwards. Do I hear an amen on that one? Amen. And you know, so much of what we've been talking about today, it all wraps around truth. And I want to throw a couple of thoughts out at you. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says he is that truth. John 1, 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory in the glory of the one and only son of the father, full of grace and truth. All truth has its basis in God's word. We have Jesus praying for us in John 17, 17, which I love. He says, he's praying to the father. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word, father, your word is truth. So our end goal is to determine the truth from the lie and what God wants us to do with each of them. Keeping our eyes and our mind wide open to the filters and the lenses of God's truth. Why well, I say amen on that. Is that an amen? That's an amen on that one. Let's do it. You know, amen. Oh, you know, I, we've got to wrap this up. I know I promised you if we had enough time, and we're not going to, that I would give you an understanding of inductive and deductive truth. That will be a future podcast. Uh, in fact, probably the next podcast we're putting out there is just simply around the question, does truth matter? Does it matter? And what, what place and what impact should it have in our lives? So we're going to take a deeper dive on that in the next podcast. But in the meantime, remember, as gatekeepers, we're called to find the truth, to share the truth boldly and lovingly with others. So we need to keep our eyes wide open with the filters and lenses of God's word so as to know the truth from the lie and what God wants us to do with both of them. So let's word up, stand up, and speak up, and change the world around us with the truth of God's word. Do I hear an amen on that one? Amen. Don't be deceived. Amen and amen. So if you enjoyed today's episode, Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss another episode of Monty Sharp and the Gatekeepers Initiative. Don't forget, each of us has our gates of influence in our lives that can radically change the world around us. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm looking forward to being with you again next time. May the Lord richly and wonderfully bless you.